welcome to Everything Went Black podcast. Um, before we get started, I just want to go through all of my little plugs. All day, every day, uh, brought to you by Savage Gold Coffee, yeah, which is my coffee company. And um, you can go to uh, savagegoldcoffee.com, check it out. Currently, I'm running a special holiday sale for podcast listeners and anyone who signed up for the uh, newsletter. So you can plug in the uh, discount code capital SAV 5150 and get 20% off up until uh, midnight New Year's Eve. So for you uh, late Christmas, uh, you know, if you do celebrate Christmas, that is, uh, Christmas shoppers, you can get, uh, you can order something for your, your family or friends up until midnight on New Year's Eve, or Christmas Eve rather, which is only a few days away. Um, moving right along, we have uh, On It, which is a supplement company. You can check them out. Uh, Datsusara, which is a company that makes all hemp uh, equipment, such as uh, gear bags, jiu-jitsu geese, grappling shorts, t-shirts, that kind of stuff. And then the most recent one is Nature Box, which is um, healthy snack alternatives. All the stuff you can find by going to everythingwentblackmedia.com and just looking at the variety of uh, different portals to get to these various sites. Um, so there you go. Tonight we have uh, Magnus Hendrickson. Who um, I got to know Magnus through. Um, we met basically with, through Mike McPadden. Yeah, we did. Yeah. The, By uh, the way, I'm a little surprised that you didn't have Audible.com. Nah. Online. Nah. These yeah. are all affiliates, man. These are all affiliates. Yeah, it seems like Audible is. Uh, they, they're everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I should try to try to get them. And give it me seems some like money. yeah. It seems like if you maybe uh, the people that, read, that listen to this podcast don't like books, maybe. Well, but they like to listen to things. There you go. Right. Yeah. And Audible has all kinds of. Non too. Let me ask you a question. Yes. Serious question. Have you ever listened to an audio audiobook? Yeah, I have. You several do. times. Yeah. Right. I haven't done those. I haven't checked it out. It's I actually had an experiment a few months ago and listened a few months ago, like a year ago, and listened to it. Oh, the Stephen King. Stephen King. I hadn't read Stephen King since so you know, it meant a lot to me when I was a teenager. Yeah. And then I read uh, I hadn't read anything for a long time and then I, for some reason I saw that the library had it. And you can only borrow it for fourteen days. That's a big book to read. And it's 48 years. hours. Read by Stephen Weber, you know, the guy from Wings. The, like, party brother from Wings. Interesting. Okay. And I challenged myself to listen to it for 48, the 48 hours in 14 days. And I did it. That was wow. great. Yeah. I, um, I'm interested to check. I haven't ever, ever listened to an audio book before, but I, as, as a sort of freelance job, I edited one, one time. Oh, how do you edit a... It's, it's miserable. Man. It <laughs> what was like one of the most um, like soul crushingly boring things I've ever done. Basically, some guy you know, this guy reads it. He reads the text. Yeah. You get a PDF with the, the copy, and you you know you listen to this guy read this read the copy to make sure he says everything correctly. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. And then you edit the spaces. Like if you like, it's like <clears throat> you know, you wow. pull all that stuff out, and then you assemble it in these segments. Then you run it through, you know, a limiter and do a little EQing, and then you just send the stems along, and they turn it into an audiobook. Wow, it's uh, one of the most um, brutally boring things I've ever done. Well, I have your contact info if we ever. Oh, and uh, oh, so by the way, oh yeah, what you know, Magnus isn't just some guy been on the street. <laughs> For those of you who listen to a Necromaniacs podcast, my horror podcast that I do with Mike Scandato. Our most recent episode had uh, one 
Mike McBeardo McPadden on as a guest. We had a, our first guest on that podcast. He's the author of uh, Heavy Metal Movies, which um, is a great, great book if you're into ex- exploitation, horror, um, you know, heavy metal themed films, that kind of thing. And um, Magnus works for uh, Bazillion Points, which is the company that published that book. So uh, that's how I met Magnus. You know, just by setting that whole thing up for uh, to have uh, McBeardo on the Necro podcast, and then uh, I stopped by their office, gave me a bunch of books, which is cool. Right. And uh, I don't know, I just thought he'd be an interesting guest. So, being the end of the year, um, you guys probably, you know, being uh, you know hip in the know people have seen all, <laughs> have seen all the top ten lists that have been like floating around, and you know, various websites and people putting their top ten lists together. So that's what we figured we'd do. We joined the. Uh, you know, the legion of people putting together year-end lists. So, yeah, here's another one. Two more, maybe. Are you gonna? Do you have a list too? I do have a list. Yeah, but uh, I have mine written down here. Don't be so anxious, man. We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so uh, let's before we get into that, what do you do over at uh, Brazilian Points? Brazilian Points. Yeah. Well, Brazilian Points is a. Uh, we make big books. Uh, we have a big reach, but it's a. Fairly small operation. You saw the office. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I, like I, a, it's a little bit of a battery pad uh, of an office. But uh, so I do all kinds of things. Mostly, I guess I uh, focus on like press and media and marketing stuff. Yeah. It's, but for an operation like that, you kind of have your, a lot of hats. The, uh, the, the impression that I got just from, you know, that little interaction we had visiting you at the office that you seem to be doing a lot a little bit of everything though. yeah yeah so I mean, you're kind of like the logistics guy you do a lot of PR stuff you know just sort of you know you write write the checks and stuff like that you do that no I don't write the checks no <laughs> okay. he would never allow me with near his checkbook no. <laughs> uh, but yeah mostly press stuff and uh, dealing with authors and journalists and do you have any favorite books um, that you guys have published? Bazillion Points? Yeah. Uh, Sophie's Choice, man. Do you have a favorite Tombs co-band member? Hard to choose, right? That's a good question. See, that's yeah. an excellent question. Yeah. I don't have a favorite band member. <laughs> well, of course there are. I mean, I have a special relationship to all our books, um, and I genuinely enjoy all of them, of course, but a book like Swedish Death Metal is, I think, special. It was the first one, and... Uh, is that because you're Swedish? Uh, I am Swedish. I uh, knew Daniel before. Uh, Daniel's actually, Daniel Eckhart actually did the reason I even work at Presidium Boys. Because he was here when Ian signed him on for Swedish Death Metal. He was in New York. And uh, that's and state of Ian's. Who runs Presidium Boys. And uh, that's how um, I met Ian. So, uh, and it is also awesome, incredible book. Yeah, it is that, a great book. Yeah. Um, that covers a genre that I love. And it's been with us for so long and still so much interested in it yeah that's definitely a book a lot of people talk about a lot of people I think um, a lot of the other books in the catalog people are aware of but they don't realize they're published by the same company that published Swedish Death Metal yeah you know probably one of my favorites aside from that is the uh, the Tom G. Warrior Only Death is Real that hardcover is one of my favorite books I constantly yeah. reread that one you know yeah I mean just like everything uh, Tom Warriors or Tom and Gabriel Fisher is involved with he just goes it's just all in it's just he just wrote his heart out 
great yeah. in that book. Are you, are you a fan of Celtic Frost? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm a little too young to be able to... I wasn't there for, you know, when they first emerged on the scene. I mean, I was born in 1980, so... Yeah. Um, but yes, of course, and I couldn't be happier with... Uh, so, yeah, he's working on a sequel right now that will cover... Because only Death is Real ends in 1984, um, when Hellhammer folded and Celtic Frost was just kind of getting going. So, the former years of, of Tom G. Warrior. Um, and now he's working on a sequel that will cover basically the rest. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, even up until, like, Trypticon and all that? I don't or? know exactly how... How far? Far um, he's going to go, but he's working on a sequel. Oh, cool. Yeah. Great. So now let's uh, let's get started on our uh, our lists here. So um, I was figuring we would start with ten and work up to number one. That makes perfect build, sense. Build uh, build the drama. Yeah, you know what I mean. And we have a we have a. Uh, I, I just know your top three, and it's completely different from mine. Well, that's good. See, that's yeah, the, it would be boring. Here, be very be. dynamic. Exactly. Yeah. It'd be boring if we had the same exact uh, records on our top ten list. Yeah. Let's get into this heated discussion here. <laughs> what do you have on number 10? Um, I have uh, The Cavern by Inter Arma. Are, oh, yeah. are you familiar with them? Yes, of course. That, they actually did not end up on my list. Uh, the debut would have ended up on my list. Okay. I love that. Uh, yeah, they're good, it's right? It's just absolutely incredible. I thought that this one was good. It wasn't as... It didn't have the same je ne sais quoi as the first one. I, I, I love the first album, but I feel like this one... Um, what impressed me about it is sort of it was like a step forward, maybe like composition wise, because yeah. it is like one long piece. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of ambitious, I thought, to do something like that. And I was impressed by that. And it's and, and I think it's difficult to listen to it in pieces because obviously it's one yeah. composition. But uh, but I, I, I really enjoyed that. And I feel like they, you know, pushed forward past where they were on the first album and you know, I'm just eager to hear what their next record sounds like too. So yeah, they were definitely a band. Have you seen them live? I'm super. No, I have not. I've heard it. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like the first record also was it was certainly not like an iPod Shuffle kind of affair. No. Like you really had to make an effort listening to the whole thing from start to finish. Yeah, I had to dig into it. You yeah. Know? And also, those guys are really good friends of mine too. Which is, oh, like, yeah, they I are. mean, that's always a plus. You know. Yeah, I'm definitely not one of those guys who are like. You know, my, my list of bands are like my friends, though I do try to support my friends when I can, but I'm, I try to be, you know, as objective about this kind of stuff as possible. Yeah. So for them to make it on there and be my friends is like really cool. And that's why Savage Gold is number two. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, self-promotion. You know. <laughs> um, if you're interested in mine, I have a, a slightly more, um, I have Agalock. Oh. Serpent in the Sphere. Okay. That's number 10. Um, I know a lot of people were kind of disappointed in it. Um, I thought it was just business and useful for that band. They're always so great. Yeah. Uh, and it's a little bit more maybe mellower in parts um, than maybe they've had been in the past. But I kind of like them the best when they're at their most pretentious kind of, you know, toning it down, mellow, trying to build these, not working with like brutality or heaviness, but, but being a little softer and building these, these grand images. Yeah. Well, one of the things that um, you know, I try to 
like a few years ago, I had this idea that um, extremity doesn't necessarily have to be the obvious, you know, extreme, you know, over the top, everything maxed out. Sure. To me, like, extremity is more of like dynamic, like more if you're going to do something very intense, then it's very intense. And then the subtlety should be even further subtle than just to get like an extremity, you know. Yeah. And I always felt like Agalock was like, you know, a band that uh, didn't feel comfortable. They felt comfortable working in a bunch of different sounds, you know, like, you know, they had like some the more traditional sort of sounding, you know, metallic you know, black black metal inspired, you know, American whatever the hell you want to yeah, call it. Yeah. And then they also had these like very uh, you know, sort of subtle you know, clean guitar, that kind of stuff. So yeah, you know, I think that's a great record too. Yeah. yeah. It was. I wouldn't put it in my top ten though. You wouldn't put it in my top ten, okay. Yeah. Uh so for me, one of my all time favorite bands comes in at number nine, and that's uh To Be Kind by Swans. Oh yeah. And you know, it sort of fits in a little bit. I mean I could see Agalock having uh you know, not in their hat to the Swans, you know, and um, pretty much every year that a Swans record comes out, it ends up in my top ten because, um, you know, Michael Gira is like has always been like a major influence on the stuff that I do personally, and uh, this record I thought was you know once again just a further exploration in in uh, you know what what he can do as like the band leader, you know, creative force behind the Swans and. Uh, Another another really cool thing is that John Congleton is was the engineer on that record, and John uh, recorded our second record for Relapse, Path to Totality. Oh. And you know, I always felt like Congleton would have done a really great job with the Swans, and somehow he found himself. And oh, here we are in that vibration, you know. So how do you see how do you uh, see the, the development of their sound and career? Because um, I, I I just feel like I was never. St- that into swans in the past but that ever since i guess the seer right yeah it's just incredible what they've done well i think it might have been like um you can see he there's a little bit of a break you know yeah yeah, uh, exactly and uh during that period of time like you know he was involved with like angels of light and you know various other things that you know some solo records and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. And um, I just think that uh, I mean this is once again I'm just totally projecting what I think on this whole thing. I don't you know I'm not on a first name basis with Michael Gira, <laughs> but uh, I think that um, having that break and sort of exploring other things or like Angels of Light and bringing that into the fold of like what he would call a Swan's record has sort of pushed that sort of creative statement like further down the line, you know? Yeah. And. Uh, you know, because Angels of Light were definitely like quieter, you know. But having the, the Swans, even though there is a lot of salty on the records, it's still this like full on like, you know, without being like obvious, a very heavy emotional sort of thing. You know, I mean, seeing them live too, and seeing performance material live, it's like, it's like very very intense, and you can tell there's a lot of like this like emotional, um, you know expression going on and that's the thing i always responded even way back when they did you know like cop and like those early grindy like dirty mm-hmm. records you can tell that there is definitely some sort of um you know emotional component to the music it wasn't just like this sort of mindless noise that they were making you know yeah and you know gira being the only consistent member of the band you know look at his you know his vision you know and i just think this is just like another step in like 
whatever path this guy's on, you know. But the last two records, though, have been very, very um, satisfying to listen to. You know? Yes, very satisfying to listen yeah. to. And it's, you know, I mean, easier to listen to than... Yeah, it is. Yeah, definitely easier. I mean, do you... Um, have you checked out, like, the mid-period stuff? Uh, I, I mean, I've heard, I've heard it, but I, I can't say that I've checked it out or explored it. I'm afraid. I recommend all those records, like uh, you know, the Great Annihilator, you know, the Burning World, yeah. like all that stuff has like great material on it. You know, it's kind of like this the the sort of bridge between the more you know noisy, dirgy, hard to listen to early material and like what the band turned into later. You know, yeah. So that's my number nine. That's one for you. Yeah. Um, I have a band that I think is. They're just getting better and better with each record. Uh, I'm not alone in that, but I think a lot of people disagree. Mastodon, once more on the sun. Okay. Um, I don't know what your opinion on Mastodon is, but I just feel like they get better with each album. The first one, the first, their first album, I do not understand really. And I think that of all the albums in the world, I don't think that I've given any record as many chances as Leviathan. I really, really tried to enjoy that element. And you didn't like it? not understand it. No. Oh. For me, it's just like a bunch of guys playing playing their instruments. They play, play, play and they're like, I just don't hear what's, what's going on. <laughs> a lot of notes. Yeah, just a lot of notes. And there's some kind of song in there. But I just it just flies by me. And then I think that whatever they've done since then, it's, when they're just getting more and more focused, it's just incredible. Yeah, I feel like um, for me... Uh, I, I never really listened to them a whole lot, honestly. It's like I remember, uh, you know, when they when they first came out, and uh, you know, two of the members of the band I've known for many years, and uh, you know, the lot seeing them live, I always thought was interesting. But the records never really like sunk in, you know. Yeah. And I just sort of like the last, I haven't really paid attention to too much of uh, their their more recent material. But I did see that one video they have. Oh, with the with those those chicks with the big asses. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Twerkers. Twerking. Yeah, twerk gate. Wow. Twerk twerking. Yeah, I, that came out of left field, man. Like, I, I didn't really understand. Did you hear the Hunter? The, the one before this? Mm-hmm. No. You didn't hear it? No. That was even more popping, almost. Okay. More easily digestible than, than this one. Okay. Yeah. This is a record. I, this, you just put it on and instantly hear that this is just classic song after classic song after classic song. It's just, just great stuff. This, I think... It's a little bit... Songs aren't as direct on the new album, but they might be better songs. Oh, okay. Um, like as far as like writing and like composition? And yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, I think they're not as easily digestible. Like, I mean, not, they're, they're certainly not difficult to listen to, but they're... Yeah, an incredible album. By a band, it's just a, the leader, leaders, I think. Yeah. Or taking music to a whole new place. One of the things I expect about them is that they they definitely came from like the more like underground, you know, world, and were able to like, you know, break into through touring, really through touring, mm -hmm. you know, and just get in front of people and like work ethic. That's the thing that even though I don't necessarily like a lot of their music, I have nothing but complete respect for the work ethic they bring to it, you know. And for me, that's like sixty percent of it right there. If like you're you know, I'm a fan of like trying, yeah. like hard work and that kind of stuff. So, so right there, I have like a lot of respect for the band, even though it's like 
not something I would immediately reach to to listen to. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. So for me, number eight is uh, the Satanist by uh, Behemoth, which uh, you know I've always been a huge fan. Um, the new record, the Satanist, is like almost, like a more of a departure from like some of their just fast material, and I feel like um, maybe this record is like the third chapter in their you know sound because like you know the early stuff was like very you know cult black metal yeah you know high vocals, you know. And then they entered into this sort of like grandiose like death metal sort of trip. And now the new the new record is uh slower and like more atmospheric and you know that's the kind of stuff I really like when there's like a lot of atmosphere. Yeah. And, you know. So I um I've never been into them really. I think at this album there be I don't know, this there's, there's always been something bland about Behemoth to me. I I didn't really understand. Um, I think the new album was pretty good. It was certainly better than anything else I've heard uh, by them. And I guess that Nur- Nurgle, I guess, when he went f- through his... Um, he was sick. Yeah, he had, like, brain yeah. cancer or something. For uh, Yeah. yeah. Uh, things were looking pretty bad. And then he came out on the other side, and I feel like you can hear that he took his... Whatever anxieties he had, and just put it into his creativity um, and also maturing maybe yeah I think facing death or, you know probably changes your perspective on a lot of things probably <laughs> you know like just you know sort of being in a situation like that where you don't know if you're going to live you know I think that adds like a level of uh, depth to something you know that most people really don't know anything about that you know yeah so so I think it's, it just sounds like a more more mature album. I can't really say that much about it. I heard it a few times. I thought it was it was pretty good. Yeah, I like it. You liked it, yeah. Dude, it's great. Number seven yeah. on your list. That's number eight on my list. Oh, number eight on your list. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, from Baton Rouge, uh, Louisiana, have Thou. Ah. Yes, Heathen. Yeah. Uh, a band I never really paid that much attention to. Uh-huh. Um, I heard them, but never really cared that much. And then this came and. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's so eerie and really heavy and doomy, but still with these crazy hooks. Yeah. That come so natural in the music that you don't even kind of notice notice them, you know? It's just, all of a sudden you're just like bopping your head to this incredible wall of sound that's coming towards you. Have you seen him live? No. Ah, so that's where you got to experience the whole full power. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I have... I have that record too. Um, it's it's powerful, and I've always been a fan of uh, of Thou, and uh, you know I've seen him a number of times, and they've always been great live. And you know, once again, I'm, for me personally, I'm not a huge Doom fan, but they are one of the Doom bands that I put in my probably in my top five of, yeah. of Doom as a genre, you know. And uh, yeah, because it's not just like. You know, Black Sabbath rehash. It's like their own. They got their own sound, in my opinion. You know. Yeah, much like a little bit like Yob as well. Have the same kind of thing going. That they come from a different place, not just Sabbath drifts. Yeah. Played very slow and like tuning down and. Yeah, so they have like a more like a hardcore punk like sensibility to it. You know, the same way like maybe Nuth Crush sort of approached yeah. approached like you know slow music. You know. Um. So my number seven, coincidentally, is the new Yob record, Clearing the Path to Ascend. 
And uh, I have to be completely honest. Up until about two months ago, I wasn't a fan. Oh, yeah? I'm very unfamiliar with them. Um, I mean, not a fan as you had never heard of them? I ne- like, I've, maybe I've heard them, but I never paid attention to anything wow. that they did up until about two months ago. And, um, you know, I was aware of them, obviously, but I, I, the name is what really put me off. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, I thought, you know, like, what is this? Like, it's like stoner rock kind of thing. And, uh, you know, people who were like, oh, no, 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 you got to check these guys out. And then when we were out on tour uh, with this last Paul Bearer tour mm-hmm. we did, I kept hearing them on the PA. And I was like, well, what's this band? And they're like, it's Yob. I was like, Okay. And since in that eight-week period, I, I, I bought all their albums. And I have all their albums on vinyl now and, like, the whole, like, wow. thing. And I'm all about it now. I think it's great. And it the, new, the new record is, like, a masterpiece. Yeah. And it said, it's like, what really sets them apart is that most doom bands basically play Sabbath riffs, right? Yeah. They're really slow and heavy. And it can be awesome and great. Yeah. Um, but that is the foundation. But where does job come from? More of a, it's almost like Hawkwind. Yeah, yeah. From Hawkwind or something. Yeah. King Doom, as they would have done it. Yeah, there's like a psychedelic element to it. You it's, know? Yeah, it's and it's not as bluesy. It's just really great. Yeah, I saw them now. Did, were you, did you see them? They played yeah, there. we played with them in one of those nights. Oh, you did, yeah. yeah. I saw the other one. Yeah, we played the first night with them. Yeah, it was good, great. Good times? Excellent. Yeah. Amazing. You know? I was having a hard time for me personally that night I was like I've been s- kind of like not feeling 100% these last couple of weeks you know but like that particular evening I was like had been sick all week and yeah. you know it's one of those things but I think I pulled it off you know but physically I felt drained yeah. you know and they played like an 80 minute set <laughs> so I had to like you know post it up and I watched made sure I watched most of it yeah the, the song Marrow on, the, on that album it's like masterpiece you know they played that you know and I was like Totally it sounded great. Just everything you heard, everything and everything sounded the way you expected it to. There wasn't like any glaring discrepancies between the live show and and the the record. You know, and I just was totally blown away by it. You know, yes, it's really it's just so heavy and so tight. Yeah, so tight and seamless. Yeah, just seamless. You know, so that's that was that was like one of the better shows I've seen all year, you know, in yeah. my opinion. First time you saw him? Yeah, that was the first time yeah. I'd seen him. I think I was at a show that they played, and I may or may not have actually watched them, though. <laughs> uh, it was a number of years ago, and it was uh, The Hidden Hand, you know, Wino's, one of the bands that Wino did, uh-huh. played. And for some reason, I remember I remember seeing The Hidden Hand, but I want to say that Yob played, but I don't know if I actually saw them, though. That's the thing. You know, like yeah. you know, like your brain. Sometimes you remember things, and it assembles certain memories to be more of what you want them to be, as opposed to what you actually saw. So I don't trust my memory to tell me if I saw them or not. Yeah, maybe if you die, or if you're in a, a life-threatening situation sometime, and your life flashes before your eyes, you will see that. that oh, I did see a job that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I saw them. You know, I saw them when we played with them. They were great. Yeah. yeah. So that's my number seven. A lot of pot smoking in the audience for that show, by the way. Probably, yeah. Very- the night, the night that you, uh, you saw, yeah. there's a lot of uh, a lot of cannabis. It was a lot of, of people getting high. Um, you said that they they sound very clean. Uh, here's a band that, if they played live, would sound very rough. 
Tate and Blood, Death. You heard it? No. You have not heard no, it? No, I haven't heard that record. Spanish duo. Okay. Um, I don't even know how to start to explain their sound without having to succumb to platitudes like kick in the face. Okay. Or kick in the groin. Or maybe both at the same time. You wouldn't be more in fights with me. What do you think would be worse? Kick in the face or kick in the groin? I would say the groin because when you get kicked in the head, you don't really feel it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's like you... If you get knocked out, you just... The, the most painful shots are body shots, in my opinion. Okay. You well... Punch, punch in the liver or something like that. Uh, maybe it's like a liver shot. It might be... Maybe it's got like a liver shot. It's two, it's two um, dudes from Spain. Okay. Madrid, um, just non-stop intense death slash black metal um lo-fi to the hilt just going for it um it's hard to scrutinize almost it's just like and the album is 68 minutes with a few breaks maybe you know some irresistance out here and there um they do include a little bit of like thrashier elements and, and doomy elements but mostly it's just like non-stop death slash black metal going for it it's like you, it's like they took the whole nation of Spain's anxiety and anger over their financial situation yeah. that's been going on yeah. and like boil it down to these like 68 minutes huh. crazy hell ride tainted blood okay yeah is it like uh, Revenge or Conqueror or like Order Through Chaos like that sort of like war metal like chaotic black and yeah a little bit um a little bit like that more, I don't know where war metal starts and I mean, I black just, and death metal. I just and, I just throw that term out there. <laughs> yeah. you know, and I don't really know what the fuck it is either. But <laughs> sounds good. You know. Yeah, Diocletian from New Zealand. Diocletian are clearly a war metal, war metal yeah, band. Play, yeah. play. But here's the thing: Diocletian, the last album, I respect their sound. I think it's you know, but they are also like nonstop, right? Yeah, just full on. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like a like a White House album almost. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, whereas for that album, I. Uh, it gets really tiring after a few songs because yeah. it just keeps on going. But this just like stays with you, huh. keeps you hypnotized okay. for 68 minutes. And then when it's over, it kind of is like a kick in the groin because it stays with you when it's over too. You know, like for a while, you kind of just carry it with you because there's something so haunting about it. Hmm. I got to check that out. Then. Yes, I'm like right. right. I listened to it today again and I'm starting to feel like this is too low on the list here. Seven. There's a couple of things in here that I... I put this together because this is the list I've been going with since I got asked to do one like a few months ago. Yeah. But looking on, looking back on this, I'm like, you know, there's a couple of like honorable mentions at the end I want to throw in there. All right. Too. You know, things I forgot to put on here, I guess. Yeah. Tate and Blood. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that brings me to number six, which is uh, A World Lit Only by Fire, the new Godflesh record, which, you know, yeah. I've uh, always been a huge Godflesh fan. You know, I mean, that kind of goes hand in hand with being a Swans fan, I guess. Yeah. You know, early period Swans, death directly informed Godflesh, in my opinion. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. well, for know, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially using like Street Cleaner, that is a direct disciple of like early Swans. So those two are, you know, to me, inter you know, they're very tightly connected. But uh, the new album, and I think it's great. You know, it's like I listened to it. It's, it's like, not just like, okay, we're going to make a Godflesh album. I feel like Justin Broderick like brought other elements to the, to, into the mix. And it has like, 
definitely more like a metal like feel to it, like a sludgier kind of metal like vibe to it. Yeah, I actually didn't. I actually didn't hear. It. I heard the EP. Oh, the EP is good too. Yeah, but I didn't hear the the album yet. Yeah, the full length is killer. I, I actually um, I heard it like months before it came out because uh, when we were on tour with uh, with Pelican in back in June, um, my buddy Jay Bennett, who's like you know the the famous Jay Bennett yeah. uh, music journalist. Yeah, you know? yeah. also from <laughs> uh, what are they called? The band he has. Um, oh God. Eyes of Gemini. Yes. Yeah, I should know that. You should know that. Yeah. He's from Eyes of Gemini. Him and his, uh, his lady there, Sarah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, they... he's interviewed Mark Patton as well. Oh. Yeah, for Oh, cool. Yeah. Why not? Jay's like one of my oldest friends. Oh, yeah. I've known that guy for almost 20 years. Actually, probably just about 20 years. Jay drove us on that tour because it was out on the West Coast, and we flew out for it. And he had, you know, a, a review copy of that record. So uh, we listened to that while driving up and down the West Coast. You know, pretty regularly. And, uh, killer. Thought it was great. Cool. And, um, I saw Godflesh when they came through New York, uh, earlier this, this year. Mm-hmm. And I also saw them at Maryland Death Fest when they first started doing reunions. Yeah, I was, I was there for that too. Yeah. And I was very, very concerned about it because, um, you know, I like the Yesu records, but I never thought that. Yesu really pulled it off live, you know. So I was, I was like concerned. Yeah, but Godflesh, I thought they rocked. Yeah, really awesome. Yeah, for sure. So I'm hoping they go, they go out on tour again. So two people just being as loud as loud can be, and it has like a, like it just sounds like British too. There's like something very British <laughs> yeah. about it. You know what I mean? Yes. Like yeah, that that, that music could not have been made in the United States or or in mainland Europe. It just felt it feels very British to me. In like the most like working class, dirty apartment. Yes. Kind of way. Right? Yeah. Carpeted floors. Yeah, it just has like this like very lad kind of vibe to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, because it's like a little. Yeah, it's got like a little bit of a gnarly like kind of like street like vibe to it. You know, that's why I've, that's why I've always liked Godflesh. You know. But yeah, the new but that's record. That's their background, when they. Yeah, they're from like some working class uh, yeah, town in England. Yeah, they're from Birmingham, I think. Birmingham, yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. all those a lot of those Eric bands are from that area. Yeah, and I think that they lived together those guys before Godflesh and like lived in this like you know apartment with no furniture, drinking pints and. Drinking you know, cider. <laughs> Cider's really big in England, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. but yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, and warm beer as well. You ever been to Birmingham? No, I've never been to Birmingham. Yeah. I was. There, I've been there once. You played? Yeah, we played there on our very first uh, tour of Europe, and uh, it was one of the one of the better shows on that tour. And there weren't very many good shows on that tour, <laughs> but that was that was one of the shows. When was our, this? Uh, we played it like I can't remember the name of the venue, but it was like this very like just like awesome venue that I was told was like a uh, you know like kind of like a a staple like metal like you know sort of place to play. Like yeah. I was like, oh yeah, everyone's played here. So we played there, and I, it was it was killer. It was like definitely one of the better shows on the tour. And we haven't been there since, unfortunately. No. Yeah, you know, some you know, booking agents are weird because it's like. Sometimes, you know, they're they're always thinking about their percentage, you know what I mean? It's okay. So they're trying to get you the highest guarantees possible because they get, you know, 10%. Yeah. 
though sometimes a promoter might agree to pay them whatever they're asking for, but the show might not be as good. For example, if you played in Birmingham, the promoter might not take so much of a risk on the show, but you might, you might have a great show and sell a lot more merchandise. So as a, as a band, it evens out, but your booking agent only gets a cut on what he can get from the, you know, the guarantee. So I would love to go back to Birmingham. I thought it was killer. You know, we met some really cool people there, but we haven't been back. Maybe now that we change agencies, maybe next time we go over there, maybe we'll play Birmingham. So yeah, wow, the cutthroat word of oh, <laughs> to yeah. metal touring. Oh yeah, yeah, totally, man. Play in Sweden. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I don't remember anything about Sweden. I just remember feeling like, uh, uh, you know, very. Uh, I felt like a caveman the whole time I was there. <laughs> Because um, the Swedes are good-looking people, man. Like the, you know, they just uh, and and you know, Philistines like me just like sort of stick out. You know, like like these like weird sort of like Mediterranean descended descended you know <laughs> savages. You know, all those girls bleach their hair. By the way, <laughs> doesn't matter, so, you know. dude. The best-looking women in Europe are are Sweden or, or Scandinavia and Eastern Europe. Yeah, that's yeah. your that's your thing. That's my well, in my <laughs> humble opinion, that's where I think the best looking women are. All right, you know. That, so that's why you moved to Green Poland so you can live among Polish people. Uh that, yeah, well, you know the uh, the Polish. So you don't count here. Polish as uh, no, I do in your great. No, I do, but they're very. You can't really in the map of beautiful women you have in your head. Is Poland part of that? Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. I'm a huge fan of Poland, and uh, but the you know me and them. It would never work out. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, it just wouldn't work out. Why not? The Polish women? Yeah, they're beautiful, but they just it just wouldn't work out. Well, what happened? Yeah. yeah, it just wouldn't. It would never work, dude. All right. Yeah, we'll we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> More importantly, where where okay, where are you at? Now? Here in your, You're on number you're six. Into your mind, I'm getting. Um, speaking of Sweden, I've got a couple of those. Who's speaking of Sweden? Well, you. <laughs> you just did. Um, at the gates. Okay. Came back with a new album. Yeah, at War of Reality, um, that I was kind of looking forward to, a little bit. Sure. Yeah, I think um, everyone was. It's great. I wasn't like, I wasn't that excited about it because I mean, Tom Lindbergh has done awesome stuff all over the place after At the Gates folded. Um, the Haunted, on the other hand, that the Burner Brothers been involved with, I. Never been a fan of, really. There's that one record they call that's called "The Haunted Made Me Do It." Mm -hmm. That's the one haunted record I like. Okay, yeah, that one's like more. I don't remember which one, which in which one it is, and but so and then Carcass came back with that Circus Steel album that people love so much, and I didn't get into that either. Um, I thought it was a good album, but not very memorable. And I think that very few people will listen to that album like five years from now. You're probably right. I think people go back to, to the older things. So all those things combined made me a little... I don't know. I just didn't feel that excited about it. And then they released a couple of songs from the album, and I couldn't really get into them. But then once I heard the whole thing, I got it, and it was just great. It's just so I just, I think, a great continuation of Slaughter of the Soul. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Not, not a huge fan of Melodic Death Metal, but... They just came back and showed me why I hadn't been a fan of a lot of death metal for 20 years because, you know, they haven't been doing it. 
Yeah, no, they're 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 definitely the purveyors of that whole sound, really. I yeah, they're nihilist, I guess. You know, um, nihilist. Yeah, uh, they weren't bad melodic, were they? I'm thinking more of the guitar melodies, though. Like there's like these like guitar melodies. In yeah, it wasn't like. Yeah, I didn't see what you're saying. It wasn't this, but it, it, it's not like it's full of harmonies or anything. No, yeah. no, but it's like there is like a sort of hint of like what you know, at the gate to end up doing and like dismember and all those bands, you know, dismember. I always thought was like, sort of, you know, like a, if entombed did something, they would kind of follow suit with entombed, you know? Yeah. But, um, I love, I, I, the reason, the only reason why the at the gates records not on my top 10 is because I haven't spent enough time with the record. Yeah. It came out kind of late in the game. It did. You know, yeah. And I know you wrote your list weirdly in like October. No. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, actually, I don't know. I mean, I, I, at the time I put this together, I, um, I hadn't had a lot of time to spend with the record. But now, in the final moments of 2014, I think that I probably would include the new At the Gates record somewhere in my top 10. Yeah. Because I had a chance to really absorb it and like sit with it and listen to it a bunch of times. So. Riffmasters. Oh. It's just. Wow, I said I don't know. I, I don't want to, you know, crap all over the whole haunted. But I just can't really figure out how. I just think can, they. I guess you need to have a different mindset. But how you can just first write these incredible memorable riffs and then for spend many years making music that just wasn't as good, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're back. I guess Tom Lindbergh is needed for. Yeah, you know who knows what their process is like. You know, maybe maybe Lindbergh's like the guy that pushes you know, the direction more, you know, you know, or maybe when they did the haunt, they're like, okay, well, that's what we do when we play at the gates. We write at the gates songs. And this is another thing. And we're going to play this style, you know, cause it, it is very, to me, it's very different, you know? Yeah. And, uh, oh, for sure. Yeah, of course. Uh, it might be unfair to me to even compare it, but yeah, but uh, I, I follow what you're saying though. I'm, I, I tried really hard to be a haunted fan because I thought, at the Gates was such a phenomenal band at the time, and then I just could never get into the Haunted. Yeah, especially since they came out. The first album came out when I, in a time when metal was so dead. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, definitely. It was kind of what you had. I don't know what, what year was that. Ninety, like the late nineties. Yeah, I was like eighteen, maybe. Yeah, and like really wanted to have something from here and now, you know, yeah, contemporary to listen to. That was not just listen to like old stuff, but. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. So that brings me to number five on my list. We're now we're getting into the top five records yeah, here. This exactly. is like the elite echelon of my top ten list. So number five is Blute Aus Nord Memoria Vetusta Three. Another album I actually haven't heard from this year. I know a lot of people like it. Yeah, it's it's uh, they're 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 a, um, a sort of long standing favorite of mine. Um, you know, once again, there's not. <laughs> There's not a lot of definition between all their records, though, but it's like <laughs> they definitely, when you, you know it's them as soon as you put it on. Like if I made you a mixtape yeah. and just put one of their songs in there, it's like, oh, it's Blue, Blue House Nord. And um, it just there's such a hypnotic nature to that record and all their records, too. And um, it just, it's it's something similar to The Cavern where you have to listen to the whole, the whole thing at once. Like, you know, it's just like, you know, it's Friday night gonna go to the club you know get pumped up you know <laughs> putting hair gel in gonna put on blue house north that's definitely not the setting for that type of that type of record you know it's more of like uh you by yourself you know you're 
it's, you know, Saturday night, you're alone, you're in your apartment, it's dark out, it's cold, you know, you put that record on and you just sort of like absorb it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I, that's, that's when I just, I think they're great. And they're, they're great driving music too. You know, it's like one of those things, if you got a four hour drive, you could put on, you know, several Blue Dows Nord records and then just melt the miles away, you know, and just sort of just get into that whole vibe of the record, you know? But uh, but yeah, any anyone they're they're one of those bands that like whenever they have a new album out, it's it it's definitely always going to be somewhere on my top ten, you know. And this one was a little bit higher than on the higher end of things for me. So, so you liked? I don't remember. This, so this is number three in some kind of series. Yeah, right? there's like three of these so far. Yeah, um, and number two was the one that was kind of not very metal, right? No, no. I mean. They're they're going more in this sort of like electronic like vibe. Because the and, first one was like <laughs> yeah, the first yeah. one is like black, like a very yeah. standard like black metal kind of thing, and that was like their their original direction. But then they just sort of branched out, and they have like you know bizarre time changes, and it's all mm -hmm. drum machine stuff. It's all programmed, and um, you know very there's like a it's very technical for a band that uh, has programmed drums. Like there's a lot of like time changes and like interesting rhythmic things that go on. But how does it compare to the number two then? I mean, what path are they taking? Are they continuing on that? Is it as weird as that? I or think as so. Different as it's um, it's not. I think it's a little bit more metal than that record, but it's yeah. still like bizarre and very unusual sounding. You know, they're a band that's hard to describe. I think mm -hmm. you know because you can't just say that. Oh yeah, they're a black metal band, or they're a band with a drum machine because they don't sound like any any. They just have their own thing yeah you know and um you know the first one i heard by them was that record mort and i was like this sounds like today is the day if they were a black metal <laughs> band and with a drum machine yeah so i mean i guess that kind of is like like a satanic today is the day with a drum machine and like complex rhythms maybe but it's not even that you know i don't know I and mean, that's that's how i in in the beginning of my fascination with that band that's how i would try to describe them to people but it isn't even like that really yeah so i don't know if anyone has like a more um you know definitive uh description of the band please uh you know send it to me <laughs> i'd like to use it in, in a, a description of this record at some point <laughs> well maybe you can think about that the next time you spend the saturday night saturday by myself by my, yourself in yeah. your bedroom with no windows <laughs> And the, uh, and the blue light too. And the blue you know, light. The blue light in there. Yeah. Yeah. And your black cat. <laughs> Listen to Blue Side North, thinking about your life. <laughs> how did, how did this happen? <laughs> Might be something you were thinking. Um, my number five is uh, Giant Squid. You heard not Giant Squid. You know what? I heard of them. I've never heard of them though. Yeah, from San Francisco, I believe. Min Ones is the name of the album. Uh, also, really hard to define. Um, their style of music, some kind of post something, post something, yeah, post yeah. rock slash kind of doomy. Oh, okay, um, with a cello. Oh, cool. And clear vocals. But what I really like about it is, and this album has some. It's mean ones. I think is was a civilization on Crete thousands of years ago one of the earlier civilizations of man I guess uh, and it's just some kind of theme album of, of, about that so it has some like kind of 
as far as I, my untrained ear can hear, some like little Greek influences in there huh. too. Very atmospheric. And also pretty heavy, but it, what I really like about it is sometimes heavy music can get a little, it can get, get a little forced. Like, oh, I'm going to tune down to here and use this and this effect to, you know, to create yeah. this incredible sound. And I love, you know, evoking and whatnot, but you can hear a lot of effort has gone into, like, create this w- w- sound that they have. Whereas Giant Squid is pretty heavy, I mean, compared to many other things, um, not that heavy, but they're pretty heavy. But it comes in a kind of organic way. It sounds like they're just a bunch of people who get together and play these kind of kind of beautiful songs. Um, and it's like organically sounds heavy. Huh. Kind of. I'm sure a lot of effort goes into creating that sound for them, but it just sounds so effortless. They're um they're from San Francisco, I Bay Area. Right? So. Because there, there's a couple of I mean, not not having heard them before. Um, Based on your description, what comes to mind are bands like Amber Asylum or uh, Worm Ouroboros, mm-hmm. which are like, you know, they use like cellos and yeah, and it's not very metal, but it's heavy. Yeah, it's kind of like Sub Rosa. Okay, I wonder if there's like members from any of those bands that might be in uh, Giant Squid. I don't know. You might have to go to Metal Archives to check it out. Not that you're friends with them again. Poke me. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know about that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I I don't ever think anyone pays attention to anything I say. You know. <laughs> I didn't know it was a big beef. I just knew it, it wasn't. It's was not a done. big beef. I just like. Uh, anyway, hey man, <laughs> I I I uh, don't really, you know, I just do my thing, you know, and like if people like it, that's cool. And if uh, you know, Metal Archives doesn't think we're metal enough, that's that's their opinion, man. But you know. But it's still, you can see the hand gestures that my killer is doing right as now. It's a fist telling this story. You know, it's a fist, and it's like <laughs> no, the um. But you know, if if they don't think we're metal, that's cool. But if but uh, they do, because you aren't, you're well, there now. Well, now now we're on there you did it. because suddenly you know maybe they decided since Eric Rutan did our last album that we're a metal band. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. But uh, you know, whatever, man. It's like. I don't lose sleep over stuff like that, but you know when someone I hope, had, I someone, hope you don't. someone asked me about it, I was like, I don't give a shit, man. Like a bunch of dudes. Like, was that what you think about when you're in your room yeah, Saturday room, night? Saturday night by myself, listening to the Cure, because I am a pretty unmetal guy, really. If you think about it, it's like you know, I got like what? I just picked up a Beasts of Bourbon CD, The Low Road. Yeah, I can they're, see that. they're not a very metal band. You know? Walking Dead comic book here. That's pretty metal. Iron Man bust. Yeah, that's pretty metal. I got this cat. Like black cat, sort of like Anubis, you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, to be good for me, I mean, I love metal, but it's like you know, people want to define things a certain way. That's up to them. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I brought up Megalodon. No, that's cool. Yeah. I just think it's funny. <laughs> uh, where were we? Uh, yeah, Giant Squid. Yeah, great album. Check it out. That's your number five, right? That's my number okay. five. Yeah. So my number four is Impetuous Ritual, Unholy Congregation of Hypercritical ambivalence wow and uh that's basically portal yeah without with a different vocalist yeah and uh i'm a huge portal fan and actually this style of death metal is probably my new favorite style of death metal like it's very exciting yeah i it, agree the yeah. new stuff is coming like with a bolzer and yeah bolzer yeah. yep swedes right they're sweden no it's switzerland man oh okay well i feel like an <laughs> idiot now but whatever i thought they're i always thought they were swedish <laughs> no maybe swedish. someone told me they were swedish that's yeah. what it was okay well, it's a common, it's a common confusion. Both neutral right. countries, both world wars. But uh, yeah, but they're clearly 
not the same country though you know what i mean so it, that doesn't mean it's like saying like it's fine mike you know someone's like korean but they're really you know from vietnam or something like that you know it's like it's, it's incorrect you know it's incorrect but it's okay okay but yeah that that style of just like super dark you know death metal very raw um you know a lot of a lot of technical mm-hmm. parts but there's also like just like this heavy dark atmosphere this real negative like energy that's yeah. surrounding both of those bands and um you know that that's probably like some of my favorite like death metal that's coming out like another band i was reference is grave miasma from england and though they're not they don't sound anything like impetuous ritual it's that same kind of thing where it's like you know there might be some like a satanic or like a, a cult you know vibe to yeah. it and it's like just very dreary sounding. Yeah, it's like that. Have you heard of band one man band Wormlust from Iceland? Yeah, yeah Wormlust. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I put also, them in that same. Yeah, vibe it's too. also really eerie and just like atonal almost. It's just you know, being being a huge death metal fan myself. There's so many. It's almost like jazz. Like there's so many. You can't just say I like death metal. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, technical death metal, brutal death metal, mid-tempo. Like, slam. Slam, you know, like, yeah. You know, like uh, Devourment or uh, Waking the Cadaver, like that kind of stuff. That sort of urban slam. Yeah. New Jersey style, yeah, yeah. you know. And then there's this other, I, I think it's like, uh, you know, a real interesting, the sort of atmospheric, like dark, you know, darker death metal that's that seems to be emerging in the last few years. And that's like, one of the more exciting iterations of death metal. Yeah, we're like, especially about Portal, a lot of metal is all about, you know, being so heavy and kind of crushing you, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, the Portal is more, the drums are so, like, kind of thin. Like, yeah. Yep. So instead of just, like, crushing you, it's more like it seep, seeps in through the cracks yeah. in your head, into your brain. Yep. Kind of like Dracula, in a Francis Ford Coppola version of Dracula. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Yep. You know when Dracula, like, comes into Benona Rogers' bed as, like, a green fog? Yeah. That's kind of how Portal, like, sips into my head when I, when Interesting. I listen to it. That's, that's a really good analogy, actually. I like that. Yeah, that's... that's and, and they just seem very... Just, they're creepy. You know? Yes. There's, like, this very creepy, like, cold unsettling vibe to their music and that's you know both of those bands have that have you seen that portal video uh it's uh what's it called curtain or something like that or it's like they have a video oh it's a like a music video yeah you gotta oh, check I it out seen it. you gotta check it out man it's like very very yeah they know what they're doing for sure have you seen them live you know, I never did. I remember no? they played New York once, and I was like yeah. one of those one of these guys, like, oh, yeah. far from here. No, sorry, close from here. Yeah, not yeah. They played at the the new Knitting Factory, yeah. and I was convinced I'd be able to get in, and I didn't. I wasn't able to get in. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll be able to get in. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm Mike Hill from Tombs. <laughs> Do you know who I am? <laughs> but uh, we're they're playing Maryland Death Fest next year. Yeah, and uh, I believe it's the same day that we're playing. Okay, great. So, I uh, saw them at Death Fest that tour. Yeah, uh, when they played in Brooklyn, right. it was so awesome. Yeah, I mean, bored scary. You know, that's what everyone says. His voice is so powerful, and they just look so intimidating with their outfits, and it's yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I want, I, I'm looking forward to that. Just means like I remember that Watain played the same same day, 
and it was just such a difference in, like, you know, they come up there, and they're drenched in blood, and have heads, and they have candles, and, you know, all the bells and whistles, and it was fine, it was good, and all that, but they weren't even close to capture the, like, airy atmosphere of Portal, who just walks, I mean, it's not like it's just some guys in jeans, I mean, they walk up there in these, like, crazy outfits, yeah. but then they just kind of stay there in place, yeah. you know, and... That was all they had to do to make it feel like something bad was going to happen. That's the thing. There's like this dread, this yeah. like impending dread that you, you feeling you get when you listen to music, and exactly. that's that's like you know, that's like the new that new sound that I was talking about is like this very dreadful like vibe to it. You know. Yeah. So we're up to your number four now. Yeah. Um, horrendous. I'm not even going to say Estesis. Okay. The name of the album. Heard? Horrendous? Once again, that's a, that's a name I'm familiar with, but I don't know what they sound like. Yeah? No, I've never heard of them. Once, if I, another one, I guess it's kind of hard to pinpoint. They had, this is the second album. The first album, The Shills, was basically, if you imagine whatever, like, uh, points in the Atlantic Ocean that's right between Stockholm and Florida. Okay. That's exactly where you would oh, find Oh, interesting. Yeah, they okay. would just, like, play, like, real old school death metal. It was great. It was... I think it came out a couple of years ago. One of the best albums of that year, I think. Huh. Um, just awesome. So I was really looking forward to this album, and it's certainly been at this point. I don't really know how to describe it. They play, still play death metal, and still play it kind of, kind of a Swedish way, I guess. Um, but they have just taken it... They've incorporated it. It's hard to describe. Um... They just have a kind of unique sound, sound to them. Um, incorporated, like, the usual stuff that people do when they try to evolve, like some clean singing and some yeah. new instruments and and all that. But they've also incorporated some elements of, like, just kind of classic heavy metal okay. sound. Yeah, I like that. Um, and just these intricate songwriting. Uh, it's pretty technical, but not nothing that bothers me and I can be a little annoyed by when it's too technical um, just a unique brand of death metal that's for me right now hard to describe horrendous horrendous yeah they're, they're on my list of bands to check out because like you're not the first person to uh, highly you know to, to give me a reference like that so, yeah it sounds interesting to me yeah no it's great um, got a couple of instrumental songs there as well um, which is always which I was like yeah, instrumentals, right? Instrumentals are good. Breaks up the sort of tone of the record a little bit. Yeah. So my, you know, we're closing in on number one now, man. We're we're down to yeah. uh, our th number three on this list here. It's very important. All right. My uh, number three record is Triptychon Vilana Chasmata, mm -hmm. and uh, I can't say enough good things about Triptychon. No. Um, you know. To anyone who has paid attention to anything I've said in any in interviews or even on this podcast, uh, Tom Gabriel Fisher has been, you know, one of the biggest influences on me musically and creatively, um, along with like, you know, Greg Ginn and Michael Gira and, you know, Carl McCoy and like all those other people. Um, so when I, you know, when I found out Triptychon existed when their first album came out several years ago, I was like really excited about it. And, you know, I think... This new record is like, 
you know, perfect companion to their first album. Yeah, I think better, um, better than the first album. The first album was awesome. Um, and Monotheist, the last yeah, yeah. Cross album was just, and he's just, I don't know, that was something happened there with him and he just took that and has been, and ran with it. It's, the new record has like a very somber like vibe to it. Too. Yes. You know, and that's like, you know, you know, I love that stuff, you know, and it's like, you know, it's heavy, but it also has this like very somber like tone to it. It's know? heavy in many ways. It's heavy because it's just heavy. Yeah. You know, it's a heavy sound. But also heavy, there's something with the emotion in the album and, yes. the, and the atmosphere in the album yeah. that makes it even heavier, right? And like hits you in the heart. Yeah. Bit. Oh, yeah. And his vocals, I don't, can't think of anyone who whose vocals are just improving <laughs> always the way. He sings so good and with such authority. Yes. Now, that's it's almost, a, again, a little like intimidating yeah. when he barks at you. I met him in uh, Roadburn a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah? I mean, briefly, you know. Very intense. Uh, took a picture with him. You know. <laughs> it was, I, I'm like not really... Did he smile in the picture? No, 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 no of course not. No, I, no. I smiled, but he didn't smile. <laughs> you, uh, you know, it was it was just one of those deals where like, you know, like I was Tom, Tom Gabriel Fisher, man. Yeah. And, you know, I went and bothered him. You know, he was like with some lady. You know, I just totally bothered him and it was just like I love, I love, <laughs> hey man you know, I love Salted Floss you know like Triptychon's great can you take a picture with me and you know that's how I am with that with, yeah with, he's like that to me yeah, yeah yeah so I was excited about that no he's a it's a role model in every sense of the word um, and just I think he went through he's had a couple of tough years personally and you can just hear in the album that he's taken all his experiences and just used them creatively. Like, I think how painful, no matter how painful it might be, he takes whatever he's going through and just uses it in his, in his art. Whereas other people, his age, you know, he's a little older now, he's like 52 or yeah. something like that. He's been around for a while, yeah. Might take anxieties and whatnot, and I don't know. It's, he still, he still he still has this youthful passion that's what a lot of people lose and like a lot of people his age who maybe were very creative when they were younger might have started doing something else with their time um, and put their passions into whatever new you know their job or Oof. or you know or go to a therapist or something and try to get it out no, no. but he's just taking it and, and so in that combination of his he's kind of still being as passionate as you are when you're young and the kind of wisdom I guess that you have when you're older very few people have been able to combine that the way that he has also the courage to not just call these Triptychon records Celtic Frost albums too <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean That that's like a very um, you know that's not to be uh, ignored, like that fact because uh, it would be easy for him to have just said oh yeah this is a new Celtic Frost I thought that it was like a very bold statement to be like, okay, this is a completely different thing. Mm -hmm. And at, you know, this late in the game, you know, because like yeah. that would have gotten, you know, you know, maybe like uh, larger venues he could have played if it says, oh yeah, this is a new Celtic Frost thing. He could have went straight to like, can, you know, playing like gigantic venues. But, you know, when Triptychon came through their first tour in the States, you know, it was smaller venues and 
not everyone knew about it. Yeah. You know, people weren't familiar. Didn't yeah, really know. I saw know. them here. Did you see them? I, I actually saw them in Boston. Oh. I didn't see them here because uh, I, don't I was, remember where they played, but there was a, yeah, it was like a medium sized, too small place. Yeah, yeah. I was wrapping up a tour when they played here, and I was the next day. I drove to Boston to see it because there was no way I was going to miss yeah. trip to Con playing in the states because I didn't know if, at that stage of the game. I thought like, well, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the only record they'll yeah. ever put out. You know, but thankfully. You know they're they're continuing. They so. play those old Celtic Frost songs, but like in half speed. And yes, like, yeah, incredible. Yeah, the whole band, the band is great. Yeah. Everything, you know, the songwriting's yeah, uh, yeah. totally there. And you know, this new record, it's like the guy's making some of the best music he's ever made in his life. I think this, yeah, you know, in in these years, you yeah. know, which is usually when people, like you were saying, are focusing on other things. Yeah. You know? So or, like, you know, I really, I really, you know, impresses me. You know. Yeah, so I said it's a. It's our role model, really is. Um, my number three is, is uh, Midnight. Oh, no God. Mercy for Mayhem. Mm. Uh, you're a fan? A uh, passing fan. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, they're cool. Um, but it's I'm, just the funnest. Yeah. It's just, I mean, leaving Triptychon behind, um, that is far from maybe a joyous experience sometimes to listen to, even though it's always 100% incredible. Just so much fun. They take this Motorhead meets Venom thing and just yeah. does it better than most people, I think. I don't know what, how, exactly how much it is to say about the new Midnight <laughs> album, apart from it's really good and the songs are great. And I, it's cool. They have a pretty clean production. Uh, or he, because he's just, you know, it's just one, one dude. One dude yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think his name, real name is Jamie Walters. Just like the old kind of singer-songwriter boy band kind of guy from the 90s he was he was also in Beverly Hills 90210 wait is this real is this true no 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 oh, they just have the about? same oh, name oh, oh, I was like wait it's the same guy I'm like whoa okay <laughs> that's actually something that I really I guess a weird aspect that I really enjoy with Midnight is that if you take that hood off Athenar he looks like an accountant <laughs> that's probably what the guys in Portal look like <laughs> yeah that's true but yeah. you expect that music um, this kind of music that this kind of like Venom slash Motorhead yeah. black rock and roll supposed to be like fueled by drinking all yeah. day long yeah. looking like the guys from you know Shitfucker yeah like looking like that like those guys like I'm sure they take off their cod pieces when they leave the stage but you kind of expect <laughs> them to like not shower really or yeah. <laughs> you know even like when they're not on stage um, but this guy looks so clean cut and he's also he doesn't drink and to me, it's so impressive that you can make this kind of music and perform that kind of music and be so amazing live and not drink and look like an accountant. I should, I should embrace more Midnight. You yeah, know? you should. Yeah, because they, they played with uh, Sam Hain, right? Yeah. 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 Win for the you know for those of you who are uh, into like <laughs> the occult and witchcraft <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, Samhain. <laughs> but I don't know anyone who pronounces it that way. No, it's yeah. you. No, not just me, but there are people out there that that's the correct uh, you know pronunciation of uh, yeah. Sam Hain. They have they have Gaelic roots. I, I don't. Well, yeah. actually, I'm I'm part Irish, by the way. You know, yeah, there you, you know. go. But uh, you know, I just I'm just interested in reading all that stuff. You know, stuff about the occult and you know different civilizations and paganism and whatnot. You might have noticed I had a book of of about runes in the other room. I did not. I did not spot that book, but okay. I believe you. Okay. I see, you have a lot of books that you will learn things when you read <laughs> in your in your library here. Yeah, and a lot of books about about war. 
<laughs> I'm sure there's a Stalingrad book somewhere around there. <laughs> so that's uh, Midnight. You Midnight. Check it out. That's it's awesome. Three. It's just so. It's just too much fun. Yes. So my number two is uh, Hail Death by Black Anvil, and uh, you know, you you guys, if you you know me personally, you might think that this is just a shameless plug of like some of my best friends, but it's not. I genuinely think this record is one of the greatest records to come out this year. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I heard this record before it was mastered. Uh, you know, my good friend Paul, who Paul Delaney, who plays uh, bass and sings in that band, uh, you know, was generous enough to give me, um, you know, some mixes of the record uh, before it was mastered. And, I, and I, immediately I was like, this is like some of the best work they've ever done. And, um, you know, it's not just like, uh, you know, a by the numbers, um, you know, black metal record. There's a lot of, uh, you know, different influences that come together and really is like a uh, sort of description of them as people. And that's one of the things that resonates the most about the record. It's like knowing them as individuals and then hearing this record and just knowing where they're coming from. It's like a very honest representation of who they are and the feelings they have and the ideas that they want to put forth through their music. And, uh, you know, pretty much on every level, I think that record succeeds. And it's, uh, you know, I, I listen to it regularly. Um, you know, and anyone in the past who may have foolishly dismissed them um, needs to get smacked in the face and then made to listen to this record because it's like a fucking powerful album, in my opinion. So... I, mean, I don't know if you're. Um, that was certainly passionate, and I don't know if I have much to to, to add. Uh, I honestly, I don't know if I heard that album. I've heard them, yeah, uh, and I think it's good, but I I don't know if I heard. That okay, album. fair enough. I'm really sorry. Do I deserve a smack in the face for that? No, no, no. Okay. But you you've never dismissed them, though. That's the thing. No, I never dismissed them. Yeah, yeah. There's so some there's some like people out there who are like you know they they they, they might not like them just because they're American, you know. Yeah, and. uh you know, I think that's kind of like silly. Really. New Yorkers can't play black metal. I think you know they 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 demonstrate the fact that New Yorkers can play black metal. So <laughs> yeah, you know. so that's uh, that's my number two. Oh wow! Uh, well, my number two was Trypticon oh, yes. that we already raved over. Yeah. Um, so I think that brings us to gold medal. Number one for me is an unending pathway by Atriarch, and. Uh, you know, once again, this this record may not be something that a lot of people are familiar with, but I'm very familiar with it because I've been a fan of these bands for years at this point, and they have several releases out. Um, and this is the most recent one that came out on Relapse Records, which is uh, a label that my band Tombs is uh, is currently uh, you know part of that roster. And um, this record is uh, it's like if it's it's the heaviest non is the heaviest record without being metal in the traditional sense. Though there are definitely elements of metal in there. It's almost like if you took Bauhaus and crossed it with like Nuth Crush or something like that. Or uh, you know it's 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 a once again a very hard to describe what, what they sound like without listening to them, just taking the plunge and checking it out. And uh you know, it's very um, dark. You know, the the lyrical subject matter is uh, deals with like you know 
the esoteric topics, you know, life and death and, uh, you know, mystery, the mysteries of death, uh, which is something that, you know, I've always is leached its way into my writing as well. Um, and then the music is a per- perfect companion to the, uh, to the lyrics. So, um, you know, that, that's my number one record for the year. You know, it's, it's great. Like we, Tombs and Atriarch have been talking about touring next year, and uh, hopefully we pull those plans together because I think that would be, you know, an honor for me to to go out on the road with those guys. So, there you go. That's my yeah. number one. Well, great album. I you haven't heard that. Did one. not heard. Okay. <laughs> did not I'll, hear. I'll, no. I'll give you a copy if you want. Oh yeah, yeah I would love. Or at least a digital copy or something. Yeah. like that. Yeah, I would love to hear that. Totally. You sold me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I have a number one that. I think that I once told you about this band. Oh yeah, I, I yes. And Without you, stealing your fire, I'm gonna let you go. Yeah, it's uh, it's fellow Swedes again. Um, Morbus Kron, Sweven, which is just if you've heard Morbus Kron before, uh, what it used to be was basically <clears throat> autopsy worship with. Even then, like a slight psychedelic touch every once in a while. Yeah. Um, you won't be surprised to hear that Nick Anderson from Entombed and all that, his half-brother, half-little brother is in this band. Uh, they're, they're young, they're in their early 20s, all of them. But, and I was really, really looking forward to this album because you could sense that they had something good going on. And uh, this, it's hard to even describe the sound of this album. It's almost like, it's certainly still death metal in the autopsy slash, you know, Stockholm scene style. But it's called Sweven. It's, it's, I think it's, the, the album is this a theme album about dreaming and, I guess, nightmares. And I guess in a way, it hits me now, it's almost like, you know when you dream and reality is like a little different? You can dream like... That's part of why dream, hearing about dreams is so boring because it's so hard to describe. But yeah. it's always like, you know, oh, I dreamt I was at home, but it wasn't really my home. Uh, you know, the guy came in and it was the dad, but he had like, you know, three legs, whatever. Yeah. Like everything's so weird. And this is almost like dreaming about listening to an autopsy album. Huh. Like you listen to it and you can hear that it's that kind of death metal, but something is something that's hard to pinpoint is, is different it's not you know the autopsy reality it's like it's based on the autopsy reality but it's taking it's, it's like the sound is taking these weird places almost like yeah like listening to a death metal album in a dream interesting kind of. yeah you know you turn me on to them you know and I I, I, I downloaded a couple of their records on iTunes and uh, yeah I mean I like went into like rotation. It was I thought it was great. You know, I don't have the same affinity maybe you do because you probably have more experience with the band than I do. But yeah. it's definitely that's a runner up in my opinion. You know what I mean for me because I was talking about how records uh-huh. didn't quite make it on my top ten. But uh, that's an interesting take on it. Like uh, dreaming about it, listening to death metal or death metal. But and, I don't know what, what you, I mean. What would you say about the sound? I find it hard to. There's definitely like a, like a psychedelic vibe to it because of the um, you know there's like these solos and stuff that come and go and and uh, it's it's not a traditional death metal record but it's more like death metal influence though mm-hmm. there's like a heavy death metal influence 
and the playing on there is definitely you can tell there are guys who play death metal playing it. Mm-hmm. But it's um, it has like a like a more of like a jam, a jamming. If that makes any sense, like a jam vibe to it. Yeah, but it's still structured. Yeah, right? it's, yeah, I see what. You're but saying. it's looser uh-huh. in the way that like some bands from the '70s would write songs. Yeah, exactly. Where it's it's like looser that there's like you know they're playing the rhythms tight, and then there's like these breaks where other things happen, and it gives it like more of an open like sort of vibe to it. And uh, yeah, it's it's cool. You know, it's definitely something I've, I've been you know through you making me familiar, you know familiar you know aware of it. I'm, you know, starting to become more familiar with them, and it's definitely, it's something that if you're, you have to sort of go into it and listen to it, and then in a week or so, it'll, it's something that you go back to. Yeah, you have to dedicate some time yeah. to look for this album. Not like the Midnight album, you put on, and it's like, it's like yeah, you know, Midnight, you know, a beer. This yeah. Is, yeah, you have to spin it like, you know multiple times for sure until you you're starting to understand what's going on yeah but some some of my favorite records are like that oh yeah and what's exciting about that is also that there was this this uh, which i love that whole wave a few years ago with these young swedish guys who started to play death metal the old you know old school death metal there were a million of those bands around um and it just sounded basically like it did back in the day but they all did it really well um but now uh, including Morbus Crown, but now them and also Tribulation. Yeah, Tribulation's killer. Yeah, that's last album of theirs. Was so in the same way they they. It doesn't sound the same, and it's it's very kind of very different. It's a different sound, but they also took that death metal foundation and in, in, influenced by, yeah, like same way like seventies rock. Yeah. And made something totally unique. So it's like his own little new scene brewing in Sweden. These bands doing new things. I would really be interested in seeing more of his Kron live. Um, yeah. You because know, I bet there's like extended parts of the songs and everything. And, uh, you know, it's funny, like, when I was just trying to describe them, and this is, it's not like they don't sound like Robin Trower, but like, if, you, <laughs> if they don't sound like Robin Trower at all. But I was thinking of Robin Trower when I was like, describing the band, how there'll be like a song structure but then he'll like rip this solo and <laughs> yeah. that's kind of I mean and this is I mean this in like the most positive way like I'm not criticizing them at all because this, the music is about that sort of openness as well as like the song structures you know what I mean yeah. and it's like that's why I, I like it you know it's cool or the same way even like on the first Sabbath album you know there's like on Sabbath one, there's like the, the riffs and the song, and then Tony Iommi will go on this like five minute exploration. <laughs> you know, it's it's similar to that in some ways, but with a death metal sensibility, I guess. Yeah, I like it because it's in a way it's progressive. It's very progressive, I think. But it's not progressive in the way that's as said that you just like add new elements. Kind of like staple new elements to to the sound and yeah. and that you know like enslaved play black metal and now they have a oh we have a mellotron and yeah. clean singing oh that's progressive. It's not even that they still have their same setting, and they just like experiment with it within the sound instead of just like adding and the songwriting too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah, songwriting. yeah, definitely. It's cool. I I dig it. It's like very you know it's experimental. It might not be for everybody. It's, no. for, it's definitely for me. I enjoy it and. uh and, and even if it's for you, you might not necessarily know it's for you right away. Yeah. And that's some of the best shit, you know. That Like my number one album, the Atriarch, 
they weren't really a band that I was that into when I first heard them. You know, year, a few years ago, someone played them for me, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool," but it didn't click. And then a split came out with this band called Alaric, and that's when I the hooks got sunk in when I heard the split. And then since then, I've just been like a f- huge fan of what they're doing. So, so yeah, I mean, that's our both of our number one records are like they're they're like the the, the repeat listen type of bands. You know, which ultimately to me are a lot more interesting than like, you know, listening to like, uh, you know, like Quiet Riot or something like that. <laughs> Being like, you know, yeah, man, come on, feel the noise. And it just comes, you, you party with it, and then you just leave it and you forget about it. Like these records are memorable and they stay with you and they're things I'm going to be listening to for, you know, many years. Yeah, both of them prove, I guess that's, I mean, it's a lot of people bitch and moan about like how. Uh, no, metal's no good anymore and you can't do new things and you know everything's been done but you can right I think so yeah. Yeah. I mean it's not like it's not as dramatic as when you know Manta started praying or whatever but it's still something new something exciting it's a lot of exciting new stuff coming. I out think so yeah. a lot of great stuff happening you know and, and like once again a lot of great stuff from guys who've been doing it for a long time you yeah. know what I mean like you know the Trypticon stuff's exciting you know from, just I want to throw this out there too is like you know some of my runner up records is definitely that the new uh, At the Gates album, and and that's you know a band that's twenty plus years in in you know they took a long break and uh, they're back you yeah. know, and also a band that I would throw in there is Pig Destroyer Book Burner, you know their their album that came out this year. Did it come out this year? I think so. Was it last year? You know I don't you know maybe I'm wrong. I think it might be wrong. That's okay. Interesting. Well, anyway, that it, if it came if it came out this year, then it, it should be on my top ten, but it's not for whatever reason. But I thought that came out like earlier this year. I don't know, Mike. No. I think you might be wrong. Anyway, I think I guess you're not a big old fan of Big Story. I just you were. I just maybe time. Maybe I'm not a big fan of time space continuum. Maybe that's really what I'm more less of. A, I'm less of a fan of linear, the linearity of time than I am a Pig Destroyer. I think I think that's what it is. All right. I'm a bigger fan of Pig Destroyer than I am of the time space continuum. So anyway, that would be on there too. But the Morbus Crone, it's like Morbus Cron. Cron? Morbus Cron? Uh I don't uh, I have no idea. It's not Swedish if you wonder. No, I didn't no. It's I, like a actually it's some kind of gastronomic disease that one of the members had when he was a kid or something. Oh wow. And that's a Latin name for it, and it's thought to sound cool. Huh. It does sound cool. It does sound cool. But that that's a sleeper record for me, too, because it is something I listen to quite a bit. And that that would be, like, a runner-up for my number 10, my top 10, definitely. Yeah. So, and that's it, man. That's our uh, our show for tonight. Um, did our top 10. And, uh, you know, by by no means are these saying that you know, our selections are better than anyone else's selections. They're just things that we're into, you know. I think people get up, they get uptight about that stuff sometimes. Yeah. You know, do. like where you appear on a list that some arbitrary guy put together, you know. You mean the people in bands? Uh, I mean, people in general. Because yeah. I think people love to, like, argue about stuff. And I remember I looked on Instagram today, and um, there was, like, some synchronicity going on because some guy posted... Um, like a top 10 thing going on that he was doing on his blog. And like, he was real critical of like, you know, 
oh yeah, you know, there's like everyone else with their top ten list, and you know they have the same bands on it. But if you want to be like in the cool inner circle of people <laughs> who put records out on their top ten that no one ever heard of, like come and check this out. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, that's my, cool. Yeah, my number three is Gold Labia. Yeah, Gold Labia demo, like one song <laughs> demo that they have. It's only available on their Bandcamp page or something. <laughs> no, and, no, 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 no. Cassettes. Cassettes. They're not there you Bandcamp, are you kidding me? Yeah. But that's, um, you know, people just get too into that. And this isn't that kind of list. This is just the shit that I like and it's the shit that, that Magnus likes. Yeah, know? I mean, ideally, maybe a list like this would have... Maybe more stuff that was maybe overlooked and no one heard, but I mean, this is the stuff I like. This is what I like. This is what you like. You're not trying to, like, uh, you know, satisfy anyone's uh, curiosities about anything. You know, but, however, you know, with that said, there might be a couple names on here you might not be familiar with, and if that's the case, you know, feel free to check it out. So, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, No, thank you for having me here in your apartment. Got a lot of guitars. Well, yeah, I play guitar. I don't know if yeah. you know that or not. I play, <laughs> play guitar. And a ba- a couple of basses. Yeah. The, uh, this room has like, uh, always been like a work in progress because uh, there's a lot of stuff in here. There's a lot of stuff in here, yeah. And uh, I try to keep the rest of the apartment more or less in order. And back here is this sort of the the the, the, the detritus. Of, it's an uh, interesting mix of, of almost like a man cave and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and like, like a grown-up room. <laughs> I, well, I don't see anything grown up in this room, really. <laughs> well, this this equipment there is pretty pretty grown up. All right, yeah, the equipment aspect of things, maybe, yeah. And maybe the Muay Thai poster you have on your wall. That's not very adult. That's though. not you. After right, that's a sixteen year old. Yeah, that's a sixteen year old thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful walls. Yeah, these walls are okay. They were infested by bugs at one point, though. You know. Bed bugs. Yeah. Yeah. So had those. So I look at these walls with a little bit of uh, suspicion all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So um, as far as, like, uh, what do you guys got going on at Bazillion Points as far as, like, any, any upcoming stuff that you want to yeah, talk about? Yeah, we have a couple of cool things in the coming up. I said Tom, Tom G. Fisher yes. uh, is working on a follow-up to Only Death is Real that will cover uh, what happened after 1984. In his life. That was a lot. Oh, yeah, definitely. Including Cold Lake. So. Yeah. See, dude, he's going to talk about that in the book? I guess. I don't know. But he, I mean, yeah, I think so. How do you feel about that record? Cold Lake? Yeah. You know, obviously not that good. Okay. But I I, I'm, I don't hate it. It's, I mean, I, I wouldn't listen to Cold Lake, but I don't know. I, I'm not offended by it. It's kind of fun. It's, it's, it's bizarre in, the, in his... It kind of it's it's bizarre that he did that. Um, but I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about it. When if when it came out, I didn't like it's almost, it. Almost almost more interesting than Vanity Nemesis. I like both of those records actually. Oh, you like it? Yeah. yeah. I um when Coldy came out, I didn't like it. You know, but then like years later, I revisited it because somewhere along the line, because I in the '80s I had some questionable records in my collection. You know, like like first L.A. Guns record. Um, I had a faster Pussycat record, uh, and but the, you know even though those bands kind of suck, in some sense, there had to have been something there for me to grab onto yeah. to like because you know up until that point I was listening to Slayer and like Black Flag and Sabbath and you know Minor Threat and all that stuff and uh, you know Judas Priest, 
So when when those records came out, there had to be something there. So I, I lately I've been like revisiting that, you know, like the the Kiss records with no makeup, like Kiss Asylum, mm -hmm. you know. And um, then I ended up going back to Cold Lake, and coincidentally, right around the time we were recording Savage Gold down at in Florida, and uh, Eric Rutan, who's like you know a master yeah. guy in general master brutality yeah master brutality but also like he's down with like grim reaper you know kiss like he's into like metal like he loves everything yeah and then we were talking about you know cherry orchards and you know and juices like wine and like all that stuff <laughs> and i was like man this record really isn't that bad you know it's like Compared to other bands that were doing that sound? No, of course. The songs, actually, I, I can imagine that. I always hear, people always talk about how, like, that tour, when they saw them live, the song sounded good. Yeah. Uh, I, so I can, it, there's definitely, like, good songs in there. Um, I think that the songs also get drowned a little bit in just the whole image thing they had. That he's, like, in the Carrie Orchard video, and he's, like... Kissing, yeah, that that that, <laughs> he's like that blowing video, a kiss to the camera. yeah, that video should have never been made. And uh, the teeth of hair, and like that, yeah, all that. Yeah. It kind of like I think it's hard to not see the whole package when you think of Cold Lake. But I'm gonna remind a lot of people out there <laughs> that there's a band called Junkyard that comprised members of Minor Threat. Brian Baker was in it, and this dude that played in the Big Boys, and that band Junkyard. Came out right at the height of like the Guns N' Roses fame, and they were guys who played in like you know hardcore bands. That they saw like an opportunity to make some paper, you know, they wanted to get some <laughs> cash together. So they put together, they all grew like their long hair, and they all you know like wore like cut off denim vests and did this like real sleazy like like rock and roll like thing. And uh, yeah, Brian Baker was still able to go on and have a career in like Bad Religion and everything, and no one, everyone forgets about Junkyard. Junkyard, huh? Yeah, there. It's it, once again, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to go out there and say that Junkyard record is a solid album for like dirty, like you know, Sunset Strip style, like rock and roll, cock rock metal type <laughs> stuff. You know, and like I, I'm not afraid to admit that I like a lot of that stuff, and that's just you know. It's the way it is, you know. Well, you're born in when, when you're born, you're sixty-eight, right age. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, so, so yeah, that you know, though at the time, it was sort of like uh, a dabbled in it, you know, but but not as a musician. No, 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 no. I was that never really, no, no teased up hair. No, no, no. I don't. I couldn't tease my hair anyway. I have like an I, if I grew up my hair, I'd have like an afro basically. So um, yeah, there was none of that stuff. But looking back. Just like everything else, there's like good and bad, and some of the, like some there's some L.A. Gun songs that are good. You know, Cold Lake I think is a good record. Um, our drummer Charlie, our newer new drummer, he uh, he's a fan of that stuff too. And we were playing a show, and this dude had a Celtic Frost, you know, patch on his jacket, like a back patch. You know, Charlie walked up to the guy. He's like, "Hey man, you know, what do you think of Cold Lake?" Because like, I fucking hate that record. So we didn't make any friends with that guy, but. uh <laughs> I don't know, man. You give it a chance. You know, go back, open your mind a little bit, check it out. I mean, you know, you, I'm not saying you should like it, but I'm not saying that it's bad necessarily. You know, I think it's I think it's a positive for the world that that record exists because Tom Tom Warrior's life has been even more interesting. That that, that not that that record exists. Yeah, I hope he he talks about that. In I'm gonna guess book. so. He's talked about it in interviews and okay, good. I mean, if he's if he's anything, he's upfront about things. Good. So. 
It's not. It's not something that. It's not available. That's never been reissued. Yeah. It's not on iTunes. You know. So if you don't have it, you. I mean, you could probably find a download somewhere. But like, it's kind of like trying to wipe it from history. So, <laughs> but whatever. Um, there's that ACDC book that you gave me last time. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And since that, since reading through that, I. Uh, been on this big ACDC tariff. Good, like, yeah. It's by uh, yeah, my, by Mark Mark. Um, God, sorry. It's by Mark Evans, um, who was basically the original bass player. He didn't play the first album. He played uh, on like a. He wasn't ACDC. He wasn't that for that long, but in the seventies, um, the mid seventies for four years or so, he played I think three or four albums. He played on so. This is this is autobiography, which is basically the only place to get any kind of insider stories from ACDC because yeah. and Bon Scott yeah. as a person because they were good friends even after Mark had to leave the band. Uh, did you see read it? I haven't f- finished reading it yet, but I read like the first like thirty pages of it, and uh, I just started because I just finished a book recently just now, and like that's the yeah, next yeah. book I started reading. So yeah, but that's um. I got into this big ACDC thing as a result of that. So I've been listening to a lot of, uh, you know, like Bon Scott era stuff, mm-hmm. you know, you know, uh, let there be rock. Can't be it. Yeah. Are you, are you prefer, what do you prefer in that, out of Bond, out of the ACDC material? Uh, what do you mean? I mean, in like terms of Bon Scott or bon Brian Scott Johnson? Or Brian, bon Scott. Yeah. Of course. Okay. I would say, um, I guess some people prefer Brian. I don't really understand how that's even possible because Bon Scott is, you know, maybe the greatest frontman. I think so, yeah. In the world. Yeah. Uh, nothing wrong with Brian. It's, you know, it's doing a great job, and, but it's it's far from being as interesting. Do you know this band here, Beasts of Bourbon, you know, the CD? Are you familiar with this band? No, I don't think so. They look... They're fellow Australians to vote. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like an Australian like rock band. But uh, they cover Ride On by ACDC on this record. Oh. Yeah, this uh, record, The Low Road, is like incredibly hard to find. It's on, even on CD. It's oh, yeah? like a very, very difficult record to find. And it's probably my, my, it's my favorite album by them. But unfortunately, you can't find it anywhere. So that's like a prized possession of mine. Well... Good for you. So what else? What else? Uh, there's, uh, there's we been- just hot off the heels of our New York hardcore book that was released a couple of weeks ago, um, and uh, coming up is we have a book about Michael Patton. Actually, is writing a book about teen sex comedies. Yeah, he totally talked about that in the interview. Yeah, that's yeah. can't imagine a better, more suitable person oh, to yeah. do that than him. Yeah, so that's going to be just tons of fun. Um, this woman, Diana Dilworth, who directed a move, a documentary about the Mellotron. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. You gave me a copy. Of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, as you can hear, a lot of freebies if you visit the Basilian Points office. <laughs> um, she is going to expand that, and she's currently writing a book. Oh, cool. About it, yeah. It's just going to be because the story of the Mellotron. I don't know if you if you had a chance to see it, but I didn't watch it yet. It's got. I mean, the instrument has an incredible story. Um, Not only that it was started, you know, as a chamberlain that your, you know, grandmother was supposed to play at dinner parties so people Uh could dance, and all of a sudden just turned into something that prog rockers used. Um, But the whole story of the instrument and how this chamberlain became a mellotron is remarkable. 
Especially for this book. And in the movie too, but for the book, she's interviewed... Because, you know, the Mellotron was so expensive to uh, to buy. Yeah. Um, and she broke down a lot and was a lot, a lot of maintenance. heavy. And yeah, a lot of... You had, like, mid-shows, you had, like... If it was especially with Sunny out, you had to, like, stop it. Stop playing. And someone too coming in and start screw, screwing in the Mellotron. Yeah. So the interviewed... So were all these people who just built their own solutions. Um... So instead of using magnetic tapes like the Mellotron, you could use like eight tracks or optical discs. Oh wow! Yeah, like tons of people like they had the Optagon, the Orchestron, and the Byrotron. Um, so she talked to all these people, and it's absolutely fascinating. Um, and then, unfortunately, the eighties came, and the synthesizer came, and this all you know crushed all that. Crushed all that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's going to be uh, very exciting. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? I think that's uh, that's what we have. That's official right now. Cool. Yeah, that's great. So, uh, if people are interested in checking out the catalog, where do they go? Uh, yeah, you just go to bazillionpoints.com and surf around there for a couple of hours and check out our books. Right on. Yeah. Well, thank you everyone for listening, and um, yeah, have a if you um, celebrate Christmas or any sort of holiday or you know pagan holidays or anything like that, um, have a great.
the Bedbug Capital. Oh, totally. But it's all over the city now. Yes, it is. But I remember, maybe like five or so years ago, it was really like, well, it's were in the street, so it was always like, Greenpoint, man, this is weird. you can't, you can't even live there. It's bed yeah, bugs it's infer- Actually, I, we've had, I've had bedbugs in this apartment. We had bedbugs when my wife. Yeah. We went to see the movie Prometheus. Okay. And you know the movie when he got, yeah yeah she gets that abortion. Yep. Next. <laughs> yeah yeah yep. When we come home and it was kind of a gross thing. About eight months pregnant, you know, this thing in her belly. Come home, I see a little bug in her bed. And I'm like, hey, little bug, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to kill you now, little bug. And I'm like, blood, blood over my hand. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, I'm like, oh, God. I remember waking up the next morning, and during the night, I had, like, my psyche had convinced me that, oh, that was just a dream. You didn't, you didn't find bed bugs in your apartment. But it was. Yeah, how, how would you deal with that? Like, well, did you guys did you, did you obviously call the landlord and then yeah we called the landlord and then she set us up with that company who had the dog you know yeah there's a couple of companies guess what happened that. well first of all you have to clean everything you have yeah. to like do all you know and it was like in the, it was in July oh. so this was like I mean when we were done my daughter was born like a week and a half after so my wife was like so pregnant we live in a fourth the fourth floor and walk up so we had to go to the laundromat with all our clothes like plastic bags and they were yeah. slipping out of your hands because yep. it's so warm it was yeah, like 92 yeah. degrees um, so we did that for a long time and it was just like a nightmare and like clean up all your books and it's just so much worse than you think no no I right? believe me yeah and then they send these two guys and this Roscoe company whatever it's called they come and like free stuff oh okay you know but shh. yeah and it turns out it's one of them it used to be the guitar player of Cinderella and that was an exterminator huh no sorry not Cinderella Snow White Oh, even better. Yeah, with okay. with the Z, you know, yeah, yeah. The, with the with the girl and the, yep. yeah, and also like Cyclone Empire, I think they're called, Philadelphia, Flash. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, the, okay. That's, Cinderella's also from Philadelphia too. Yeah, no, this was Snow White. Originally, okay. it's an LA band, though, right? No, Cinderella was originally. They, were, they might have probably they probably lived in LA, but they they were originally from Philadelphia, Cinderella. Oh yeah, oh there you go. Well, anyway, so he used to be in Snow White, guitar player. I think it was guitar player, yeah. And we're now friends on Facebook.